And welcome back to another episode of Civil Discord. I am one of your hosts out here in the People's Republic of Texas, repping my freedom over everything because I truly believe that. Um, down here where it's hot and crazy and miserable, but nonetheless, we're still out here making it work. The notorious BLG, aka Maurice Jones. And with me, as always, here more often than I am, is the one, the only supreme overlord of liberty out there in the People's Republic of California, taking a break from her studies because it's over. Amanda, Amanda, how's it going? It's going great. I have a, I have a cool special announcement. So um, I found out early, or I guess last week, um, that uh, within the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be starting um, uh training with and being represented by uh, a really, really cool outfit called Young Voices. Mm. Uh, It's kind of like, uh, it's like a talent slash PR agency for, uh, for young, young, I'm I'm qualified as young here. (laughs) So so, uh, people who are more free market oriented, and uh, getting their start in commentary and journalism and I've seen, you know, their contributors and they do amazing work in terms of placement and like being a career launch pad. So I'm super psyched. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I will. I'm going to be starting, uh, you know, uh, working with them and learning from them. And I am very pumped for this. So that is awesome. Yeah. Congrats. Congrats. That, Thank you. That's phenomenal. I don't have any news. Um, it <laughs> well, you're is... expecting a child, so <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah. But but no, that 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 is awesome, and and I can't imagine anybody who who's better for that position than you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. You are you are phenomenal. The way that you handle yourself, and the way that you you write, and how you expose things, and how you put things together. I don't know if you guys know this, but if you read our lovely little show notes. Um, Amanda is the one who puts all that together. If you go back and read the beginning of the show notes, you can tell when Amanda took over the show notes. 100%, not even a question. You can 100% take it by, okay, this is about the episode that Amanda started doing show notes <laughs> um, and so forth. And just the amount of research and things that you do, it is, um, I, 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 again, I cannot imagine anybody else who is more qualified to even be sitting in that role um, for sure. And it is an honor to have you on this podcast like imagine i mean i can't imagine anybody better and here you are my counterpart right here sitting on sitting next to the screen or whatnot um even though you're out there in people's republic of california i thought your announcement was going to be that you're moving and then i was like she's <laughs> not finished with school like she's not moving she's so not going anywhere. we'll we'll wait at least a few months for that announcement we'll wait <laughs> we'll wait um but yeah so it's it's super exciting i did for my like for, for part of my sort of audition if you will mm. i mean they needed a video and they also needed an article they needed like a an, un, an unpublished unedited op-ed draft and so I, I wrote one specifically for this uh for this file mm. and <laughs> It was 600 to 800 words. And if anyone's ever read my previous writing, that's a challenge for me. <laughs> I did end up crafting a, about a 700 word article. So, yay. Hey, yeah. There you go. It's possible. Kudos, kudos. So um, before we get started, I know last year about this time we released an episode about why Maurice hates Juneteenth. And this, yeah, that, the third. Um, but I don't hate Juneteenth. Again, as I as I as I stated in that episode, and I and I will state uh, for everybody 
setting the record straight. I will always celebrate the emancipation of black people 100 percent. So even though this is we're not recording on the exact day of Juneteenth, but happy Juneteenth to all of those who celebrate that. Um, Enjoy uh, because congrats. Joe Biden gave you a federal holiday. Yay. Go figure. Um, but no, it, it, it is pretty fun. And I had some family come in, come into town. Of course, I'm very close to Galveston. And for those of you who don't know, Juneteenth is honestly, is really, is, is really a Texas holiday. Um, Texas has been celebrating Juneteenth since Juneteenth actually happened. Um, but the, um, Galveston is where the ships actually came in to let people know that they were, that that the the slaves were freed and so forth and so um that was a big deal and so of course every single year galveston has a huge 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 parade and a huge a huge thing and, and my um my mom and and her husband were actually able to go out there and enjoy that time and i imagine that it was a blast i unfortunately did not because i was partaking in a baseball game so that was your celebration week, yeah. um yeah so so we, we, we were we were celebrating that and a happy Father's Day to all of those fathers who's, who listen and a happy Father's Day to all of those mothers who are acting as mothers and fathers in their in their kids roles or whatnot. Um, kudos to you for doing double the work um, and kudos to you fathers who are being great fathers and building young people up to be great citizens of the world because we need a lot of that with the way things are going so far. So um, all of that being said, uh, in case you guys didn't know, COVID um, is still somewhat out there. Uh, I, I yeah, like I, I had my niece, my my so my, my my brother-in-law, his daughter caught um, COVID, but she was over it in the matter of, I think, three days, like literally three days. Um, and she is three. So yeah. uh, she was I mean, it was literally in and out. She had a slight fever that Sunday. And then by that Tuesday, she was up running around going to dance and doing all kinds of things. So um, it is what it is. Um, But yes, COVID is still going around. Things are still happening. Of course, I don't, I don't make light of anybody catching it, but Amanda posted this article of something that is actually something that we have been saying for, I don't know how long stuff that a lot of people have been saying for, I don't know how long. And for a while was a conspiracy theory. Um, It was that whole QAnon type thing and now all of a sudden people are now starting to jump on board amanda what's going on with that so yeah i just found out about this this morning in fact thank you nate and chuck good morning liberty um and this this happened over the weekend uh no one is really well a few people are reporting on it but uh this is broken by the daily mail uh who world health organization chief believes covid did leak from a wuhan lab Mm. after a catastrophic accident in 2019 despite publicly maintaining all hypotheses remain on the table. That's the headline. We're going to get into it. Now, the funny thing is, like, I missed the part. I missed the transition between COVID probably leaked from a lab and you're not allowed to say that anymore. And then when I realized, and then when I learned that people weren't allowed to say that anymore, I was like, that's kind of dumb. I don't, I'm going to keep on saying it. So I just kind of, I missed that transition. Right. Um, But at any rate, uh, there is a WHO and it's, it's really interesting uh, that this guy has not said this publicly. Um, The head of the, I'm reading from the daily mail. 
The head of the World Health Organization privately believes the COVID pandemic started from a leak from a Chinese laboratory, a senior government source claims. Um, while publicly, uh, the group, the WHO, maintains that all hypotheses remain on the table about the origins of COVID, the source said, I'm going to try this, Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, director general of the World Health Organization, had recently confided to a senior European politician the most likely explanation was a catastrophic accident at a laboratory in Wuhan, mm. where infections first spread during late 2019. Mm. Um, my first question is, where is this guy? Is he safe? Have we heard from him? Is he in a room with slanted floors somewhere? Right. I, I like, I, I want to know where this dude is. Um, but it is very interesting that this is apparently this, this is leaked as him confiding to a government source about this rather than coming out and saying it. And I'll say again, like, it's important to know where this came from, not so we can pin blame, some people might want to, but so we can know and prevent it from happening again. Exactly. And if we know where this came from, maybe we know more about what its properties are, right? Like exactly. how how to prevent or how to treat it, how to prevent it. We could right. have been ahead of the curve with it if we'd known, hey, we were mixing this SHC014 with WV1. If people have read the reports on goodmorningliberty.us, <laughs> y'all know I've been through the the eco health proposals. Right. So there's a lot that we could know about how to treat this virus that we don't know because we're not being honest about its origins. Exactly. And you know, we'll see what happens with this. Exactly. And and I know, you know, back when when COVID was at its height and we were we were discussing this, th that is that was that was our key point. It was we're not trying to blame anybody for anything. Things that happen naturally in things that happen naturally, whether that's in society for us or whether that's in nature, um, things that 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 come about organically, we treat different than things that are developed in a lab and forced and, and, and things that happen accidentally. Like those things happen different because they evolve differently. Like one, one is typically sometimes slower and it's, it, it, it attacks one thing over the other and so forth. And then others, it can move more rapidly. And so if you understand the origins and, and whether something happened, you know, whether, you know, from, from a wet market or whatnot, or whether something actually happened in the lab, like that's a big deal to know. And for for a long time, I do not understand why people would deem that as, oh, well, that's, you know, that they would say that's, you know, that's Asian hate and, and things of that nature because you're blaming where it come from. And, and, and I get, you know, when people were calling it the Kung flu or, you know, the, the you know, China virus and, 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 and all of that stuff. Like, I get how you could eh, like, you know, that's probably not appropriate and whatever. Um, but to uh, truly understand the origins, you have to, you, it, it helps you, like you said, helps you combat it. It helps you understand, okay, how should we address this with this? How was it developed? Because if it, if it developed in a lab, we have to know, okay, so what is causing this? What is, what is the, what are the two active in, let's say, ingredients or whatever that, that cause everybody to have the said reaction to this specific thing? Because that gives people a better, you know, so 
if you know the main venom that is in your blood, it gives you a way to create some anti-venom. You're like, okay, I know what combats that, and then you move on, kind of thing. And so it, it um, like I said, it is very important. Um, we we've always we we've we've now come to understand that COVID is going to be an endemic and it is not going anywhere. It is here to stay. Uh hopefully it becomes um very similar to the flu in in regards of you know. People just kind of talk about it. It becomes a season. It happens. If you don't want to get your flu shot, you ain't got to get your flu shot. If you don't want to get your your COVID booster, your vaccine, you don't have to get it. If you want it, you can get it. And nobody makes fun of anybody for it. Nobody penalizes anybody for not getting it. Um, Because I feel like we are now uh, over two years into this and things should be to a point where they have leveled out and people are people's emotional heightened state should now have, have come back to reality and leveled off. It hasn't. It, it hasn't. It. Right. <laughs> Los Angeles out here still trying to make fetch happen. UCLA is, I mean, really like really That's trying so to fetch. make fetch happen. I, yeah. UCLA reinstituted a mask mandate for the summer. I'm like, bruh, you got it. No one's even there. Right. No one's. What? Yeah, it's just it's going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing that 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 Los Angeles is going to do. And you know what? You know, you have to know when you can't fix someone. And in this case, that someone is Los Angeles. Exactly. Um, I thought I could fix them. But, uh, (laughs) you know, another thing that we could know if we were looking at these origins is we could determine what might be a useful antigen for inoculation Mm. versus something that is actually causing the problems upon Mm. infection. Because we're seeing that it seems to be the spike protein itself that is making COVID so like kind of like an immune system gremlin, right? Mm. Like everyone kind of reacts to it differently because of this evidently this the spike protein is doing wacky stuff that can't really be predicted if we had sequences if we could track the parent viruses we might be able to develop you know we we might be able to come up with a better antigen that maybe doesn't pose certain risks to certain Mm. populations as opposed to the spike protein which can pose certain risks to certain populations certain populations (laughs) and that wasn't that didn't skip i repeated myself certain (laughs) ones not everyone relax. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is on so many levels. Uh, this is sort of a, an, an, an abdication of, of the WHO's global duty. Although now I hear they're on to bigger and better things, trying to rename the monkeypox virus (laughs) to make it not racist, which is also a story. Oh, well, and I, I guess I will leave that for another day because it is Juneteenth. And I, and, and, and I guess you could say where where people would would deem the term monkey as racist, even though it is referring to um, a monkey, like an actual physical animal and not a racial term. But hey, anyway, that is beside the point um, before I before I get riled up, because there are a lot of things that riled me up. And you all know my favorite thing to talk about we talk about it at least once a month it is literally inflation because the numbers came out again and boy oh boy what can i tell you um they are who we thought they were the numbers are exactly what i expected it may not have been what the fed expected it may not have been what anybody else expected but it is 100 what i expected um 
it is the highest and it is the highest inflation rate since what well, you have on here december of 1981 that is so correct. it is uh and and be be wary okay if you share a meme that has of spongebob that says rest in peace to the u.s dollar and the caption reads this is the highest inflation rate ever you will be fact-checked and they will deem it as as false information because it's not the highest ever it's the highest in 40 years so nonetheless it is what it is i had a friend who actually shared that and they they got in trouble for that but um inflation see or i mean the consumer price index because you'll have some people who say oh well consumer price index and inflation are all the same thing and i get it they're not this is probably this is just one of the best indicators of what inflation actually is so um if you want to argue semantics and stuff like about that we can do that later we can do it in the comments on this video but uh 8.6 percent year over year for the month of may that is a lot of money that has been stolen from you over the past year and i promise you i'm going to try to relax in discussing this um because i am not feeling well my chest hurts and getting my blood pressure and stuff up is probably not good for my health at this particular point in time my chest my heart may beat out of my chest but nonetheless that is utterly ridiculous so if you didn't get a raise last year the value of you you have now lost eight point in in may may versus may you lost 8.6 percent of your spending um abilities so you you now make 8.6% less than you did a year ago. And exactly. And we're seeing that real wages decline 0.6% from April to May. April to May, over the course of one month, real wages, adjusted mm. wages decline 0.6%. 3% over the last year. Your real wages declined 3% over the last year. Yep. Meanwhile, uh, core inflation rate, excluding food and energy, is up 6%. Maurice is absolutely right. CPI is up 8.6%. And fuel prices in particular are up 106.7%. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I do not want to hear anyone complain about gas prices. <laughs> you do not get to complain to me about your gas prices. No, I, the only people who do are people who are with me suffering through this in Los Angeles. It costs, so I drive with love. I chose this car because it's an amazing car, a Dodge Avenger. It has great glutes, okay? <laughs> great glutes on this Dodge Avenger. His name is Neo Car, and I love him. Um, so, it will cost me a little over $100 to fill up a tank on a Dodge Avenger. We're not talking about like a huge truck. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. $100. A little more. Over $100 to fill up a Dodge Avenger. Yeah. We're talking like 12, maybe I, I would. 12 to 15. 12 to 15 gallons. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, this makes me sick. I literally want to throw up right now. (laughs) So, uh, and uh, 
Yes. And, and again, part of this has to do with why, why are California's fuel prices so much higher? This, this is a little bit of a different rant for a different time. Part for sure. of it does have to do with the, the, um, the taxes, but also yep. because California, I know I've said this before on the podcast, has a special blend that is actually, <laughs> funnily enough, uh, emits more carbon. Uh, it, it has worse emissions for trucks. It's diesel blend than it's than like normal blends. Yep. So it's really just about virtue signaling. But California has a special blend that cars have to use. And the treatment process is very expensive. Uh, the mm -hmm. treatment process itself also contributes a little bit to emissions. If you look at the numbers, uh, it seems like a lot of what we do to make uh, our gas, in quotes, cleaner here produces emissions that offset those uh, those projects, those enterprises, those intentions. Right. Uh, so that's gas. Um, and of course, Joe Biden has come out and is criticizing oil companies for charging, for overcharging and being greedy. I have a question. Why does no one ever applaud oil companies for being altruistic when gas prices are low? Right. They just like they just. Oh, and when gas is $2 a gallon, nice job, oil companies. You decided to be altruistic. Exactly. No one ever says, why are, why are oil companies selectively greedy? They right. just like pick, pick a time to be greedy or. Exactly. I don't. It, it literally makes no sense. And th that was one of the questions um, that I brought up to one of my friends. So I have a, I have a, uh, a friend who works in oil and gas. And um, he's been in the industry for about five years. And of course, go figure we're in the Houston area. So oil and gas is one of the big industries in our city. And uh, and and he was he was talking about uh, how people always want to come up to him and 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 they don't know what he does for a living. And so they'll talk about, oh, I can't believe the gas prices are so high. You know, these oil, these oil and gas companies are charging too much and they just greedy and blah, blah, blah. And he will respond and say. Oh, so were they not being greedy three years ago when 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 gas was was affordable for you? Oh, if they were, then like if 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 they weren't, then did you applaud them? And if they were, why weren't if they were greedy then as they are now? Why weren't they charging the, the, these high rates now? Like I've I just I've never understood why people think that it's especially like especially in in the sense of like you understand the, the reason. The reason typically prices fluctuate is well in a very base level is supply yeah. and demand, yeah. like very base level. There are reasons why, but supply and demand is, is the big issue. And I was talking with him and he was like, that's honestly it. It's the fact that, that it takes forever for, for, for oil and gas companies to, to actually dig wells in order to be able to produce these things. So by the time, if they dig a well and, and and they're using it to let's say they're using it to produce gas by the time it gets to you like the very first time you're actually seeing gas come off of that well it's probably been about six months and then in order to turn it into actual gas to put in your car you're talking about another six to eight months so by the time things actually roll around you're talking about over a year before things actually come to you and and so it's not like they can all of a sudden vamp up the, the production of supply that's needed and and then in turn he, he was talking about how you have the the federal government it's making it harder for them to actually supply gas and you do what they do that it's hard for them from a legislative standpoint 
and it's harder from them because they they can't get banks to actually lend to them, you know, for for long term projects because the when 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 you have the government saying, hey, we don't want you doing that, the banks are like, okay, we won't do that. Like so, it, it just makes these things so much harder and. And then in turn, you got people who were actually going back, back to work as in driving. And so since since a whole lot of people are, are back on the roads pre-COVID, you know, not quite pre-COVID numbers, but close to pre-COVID numbers as far as people actually commuting back and forth to work. And your supply is actually decreased because you haven't been able to do the production that you normally do. Then that's how you get prices moving. Like it's not out. I will say this. I I do not like blaming one specific thing on the reason why prices are so high and so forth, because there's a multitude of reasons why prices are high. So when people talk about, well, Joe Biden, this and Joe Biden, that I would say his administration has some culpability to it for sure. Like a lot of the things that that, that they want to put in place and say that they can and can't do and whatnot. That's a part of it. But there's more to it than just that. So um, don't go on this rant of Joe Biden this and Joe Biden that and blah 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 or whatnot because there there are a lot of reasons as to why fuel prices are as high as they are. But definitely don't blame it on Putin's war in Russia. Like that is one hundred percent not the case at all because prices were rising prior to that. So, and and the the absurd thing too is I know I've said this this before as well, but now we have President Biden petitioning Venezuela to help. <laughs> to help fund us, to help to give us, give us oil. Okay. I, I've, I've looked again, I've looked at the literature on this. Venezuela's extraction methods are so much worse for the environment are yep. so much less eco-friendly than any of the extraction methods that we have in the U S it is absolute folly. And it is complete virtue signaling that is devoid of any actual environmentally salutary intent for them yeah. to be going now to Venezuela and bunch of thoughts on, on the regime in Venezuela, but let's just focus on the environment because that's right. something everyone can agree is a problem as opposed to socialism, which is <laughs> sorry. I know some people who I know some people who now live in the United States who left Venezuela for yep. said reasons or whatnot, like they were kidnapped a few times and yeah. 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 Um, but at any rate, uh, bad for the environment, bad <laughs> for the economy, bad for the people. Um, interestingly, I saw, speaking of socialism, saw an, uh, saw an interesting tweet. Someone was, um, you know, poking fun on Twitter and said, you know, uh, Joe Biden is, is blaming oil companies for, for high oil prices. I'm just waiting for him to start blaming the farmers for high food prices. <laughs> hey, they're coming for you. You guys aren't safe either. It is 100%. It, it is. Well, well th- that's slowly moving out because it's the grocery store's fault okay. that they're charging so much because, okay. the, because of corporate greed. The grocery stores who at the time, and, and I used to work for a grocery store for 14 years and I did their financials and I know all that. When I tell you grocery store profit margins are literally pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, you're talking two, three percent. OK, now, granted, that's a lot when you're dealing with millions of dollars of sales a week in one specific store or whatnot. But still, pennies on the dollar. I mean, the la- their labor cost is ridiculous, ridiculous yeah. when you think about it. Um, 
but they were blaming it on that. So it, it that'll just the whole trickle down economics. It'll just trickle on down to the farmers and the farmers are charging too high of a price. And but they're charging too high of a price because it costs them more to transport the 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 crops from one spot to another. And it's because the oil because the oil companies are so greedy and they're charging this and that. And and it is it it is what it is. But Amanda, you have a note that's on here in our show notes that I was actually going to bring up because we actually talked about this um, last night on my ride home Ooh. with said friend who's in oil and gas. And, okay. and, um, and he asked me a question. He's like, dude, why is it the way that it is? Like what's going to happen? Um, because we were talking about the, the, the deficit spending and all of this stuff and printing trillions of dollars and expecting nothing to happen. And, and what is it going to take to fix it? And I and, and I turned to him and I said, you know what? It's going to be able to take people who are willing to eat whatever the cost is right now to save generations in the future. I don't think that people are willing to do that, but I can tell you I am. I am 100% willing to eat whatever I have to eat in order to make sure my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids have a better system that is set up for them to be more economically sound as a country, um, better off when it comes to their U.S. dollar, better off when it comes to the ability to build wealth or whatnot. Because as a I'm learning as a as a parent, that is something that you always want to do It's you want to make sure that your kids are better off than you were at whatever age they are. So at five I want to make sure my daughter is better off than I was at the age of five. And if I continue on this track, she will be. But that is the goal. So your thoughts on that? Sorry. Yeah, no, as someone who is childless and barren, I completely agree. And I, you know, I, I, for me, it's, it's, it's the next generations. And Mm. I, I wrote, I think in the show notes, I said, in all honesty, I would so much rather all the monetary sins of the previous generations were down to me than to the next generations. I truly mean that. Mm-hmm. Now, I qualified that someone. I said, now, part of that is because I yes. don't trust the next generations not to socialize everything <laughs> and to ameliorate the situation and drive us straight into full-blown socialism. As long as I'm around, there will be a radical advocate for liberal <laughs> market policies. But it's, you know, and and... and Capitalism is it has to be defended in every generation because mm. it's the sort of thing that, unlike socialism, cannot stagnate. So it has to be defended in order to advance, and it has to be advanced in order to be defended. Right. But with, um, yeah, with with the with the fact that yes, this is now redounding to to me and to you, Maurice. It's funny that the people to whom it, you know. The people to whom it redounds are not the people in power who are mm. charged with fixing the problem. Right. You know, if you look at policymakers, if you look at Fed appointees, these guys are older. They're not yep. going to have to deal with the worst of it. Yep. And by the way, we have a group of Fed appointees who didn't know that a whole bunch of helicopter money after a bunch of inflationary spending and a bunch of deficit spending was going to drive up inflation because good intentions. I don't know. Right. 
that to me is just mind blowing how you don't see that, how you don't understand. I don't have a degree in economics. I saw that and I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm dumb. I saw that. So, you know, to hear that, to hear, we you know we had no idea. And then to know that the people who are charged with fixing this or, or charged with getting us off of this road are not going to have to deal with the worst of it is frightening. Now I yeah. am actually heartened. I grimace, I grit my teeth every single time, but when the interest rates go up, I there's a lot of me is very relieved mm-hmm. um, because like, what else, what else would you do? Right. What I'm afraid of is, and I said this in the show notes too, is this reaction that the public is going to have in, you know, uh, in response to these rising interest rates, right? And in response to these, this high inflation, high CPI, the reaction is going to be split, I think, between proponents of debt forgiveness and MMT mm-hmm. and further intervention and expansionist monetary policy versus proponents of a major retraction of central bank powers and alternative money sources. And I think mm-hmm. this is, there are going to be a lot of battles fought over this, yeah. uh, that we have resources today that we didn't have to respond to inflationary crises, you know, a, a century ago. Um, and even, you know, much, much later than that. Right. But we have to fight to show people that these resources and solutions exist that did not exist in the past. Right. Um, and yeah, this is all part of like my Amanda's Red Girl Summer, where I'm just <laughs> learning about, you know, about various uh, you know revolutions and the like. And there, mm-hmm. there are options that we have now that we didn't have before. And the the goal is going to be to educate people on those options that don't involve maximalism. And that, in fact, yes. involved more self-ownership. Yes, definitely. And, and, and one of the things that, that, that you had talked about as far as your, your fear of the next generation, I, this is my white pill moment, okay? And I'm very, I'm very seldomly white-pilled. Like, I, I, like it's, I just am. Um, and that's not anything racial or anything like that. I'm just <laughs> saying, I'm, I just seldomly am. Um, I continue to hear how people do not how the crazy people um the people who are on the far left who want all of this stuff they're always like i don't want to bring any kids into this world and they talk about they don't want to have kids and this that and the third and i say good because i don't need you having any kids teaching them this craziness allow me to have all the kids start populating some stuff because if if that's the case, and and then you raise your your children up to be good citizens and understand, have a true understanding of economics, and have an understanding that everybody is selfish in some sort of in, in some sort of fashion. And so, what do you do? What system that we currently have that we know of is the best for all? And you train them in that way, and and in in a sense, you indoctrinate your kids to be free market capitalists, then by all means, th- they will have better solutions to fix this than we ever will. Yeah. Because and that's exciting. I get yes. so excited about that. I'm really, really excited to see like what you know, yes. five generations from now, I hope there's some way that I can see what people come up with to, yeah, to solve problems. Right. And th- that's why I'm, I'm, I'm white pilled about it. Cause I'm, I'm like, you know, if, if I have my wife won't allow me, but if, if we have, you know, seven or eight kids, and all of them, I mean, some of them are bound to be crazy, 
or whatnot, but we want to, you know, the, I want the odds to ever be in my favor when it right. comes to that. So um, I want to make sure that, that, Hey, like, you know, if I've got four or five of them and they're free market capitalists, and I may have one or two that are kind of like, eh, that's psycho. So we may, we may rebel against them in that right. manner, but when they turn 30, they'll realize, Oh yeah, no, he was right about everything. Um, th- Then, then, they are able to 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 build those things and to be great and to think critically um more more critically than 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 our current generation thinks or whatnot i'm considered to be a millennial so um the these gen zers are actually um a lot of them are actually uh they they have turned out to be a more conservative generation than millennials do so the, and there's always a pendulum swing there's always a pendulum swing. Um, but I want to make sure that I can swing it as best that I can into a generation. So for those of them who do not want to have kids because they don't want to bring any kids into this crazy world because they're communists and they're socialists and this, that, and the third, I say bravo. Continue doing what you're doing, please. And thank you. The rest of the world thanks you for that. See, and as, as opposed to actually bringing children into the world, I, I just, I guess I will take the, I will take the 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds in, in, in my, in my classrooms or whatever, eventually. And just like, hello class, you came here for your, for your seminar on communisms. Well, I will indeed teach you about communism. Like I have, I have so many stealth courses that I want to design, like to get the theories of redistributionism. And you know what? Capitalism is going to be one of them. We're going to learn about capitalism as a redistributionist theory because it is check the Forbes 100 list over the yes, past 20 is. years. There's a lot of transfer. Anyway, um, <laughs> that was a thing. But I, you know, you mentioned you talked about people who are on the left and, and, you know, I think it's important to highlight the fact that the right is hardly innocent in, in this sure. crisis that we For had. Sure. I know, I know you know that, um, and I know you weren't you are not covering that up at all. But all this deficit spending that's happening mm. under Republican presidents. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how you have all of this. The first helicopter drop came under President Trump, um, and Republicans and Democrats both caused this, and so yep. that's part of what's going to make it so difficult for either Republicans or Democrats to address this honestly, because all each of them is going to want to do is blame the other. Exactly. They're both part of the problem. Yep. They definitely are. And, and, and I mean, you are absolutely right. Like I don't like, I, I don't hide that, that that I bash Republicans for it. I mean, let's be real. The last time the U S had some sort of balanced budget was under a democratic president. Now the Republicans will say, well, the Republicans controlled Congress. And I was like, okay, but whoever it is, both people have veered way off the course yeah. since then. So um, you got Bush 43 out here spending helicopter money. And then you got Obama spending more than all the other presidents combined because George Bush did the same thing. And then you got Donald Trump doing the same exact thing, picking up where Obama left off or whatnot. So and Joe Biden has pit, literally picked up where Donald Trump left off. So, I mean, it is again, I, I don't say that they're the that they are um, two sides of the same plane or, or two wings on the same bird. Cause I don't think that they are, but they are, they, they both have policies that, that definitely hurt people and they are looking to grow power than anything else. That is, I, I do not understand why anybody would want to go into politics for any other reason outside of to gain power. Um, for the most part, there are a few exceptions 
There are few exceptions. And when I mean few, I literally mean few. I probably know maybe less than 10 people who are on a federal level that are are good as far as they are not there seeking power. They actually want to make a difference. Um, most of the other ones they have, they literally have the, they're power hungry. I mean, on the left and the right, the Dan Crenshaw's, the Lindsey Graham's, the, the AOC's, the, um, who, who's the other, um, uh, what's old boy, crazy dude. Um, it's not narrowing it down for me. I know, uh, Senator, not Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell. There he oh, is. Mitch yeah. Okay. Mitch McConnell. Uh, all those people, they're absolutely nuts. Um, Kamala Harris, like every single one of those. And I feel like she's the very definition of power hungry. Like, I mean, we all know how she got her way to the top. So <laughs> that is poor journalism on my part. It's your I'm misogyny sorry. talking. I'm sorry. That's 100% my, my, my misogyny talking. I do not have any verified, um, any, any verified, uh, uh, sources mm. with that um, to confirm what what I alluded to actually happened, but nonetheless, you can. Uh, hey, w- I digress. But speaking of poor journalism, I love whatnot, it. I thought we were going there. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead, take it away. Because no. you, <laughs> I saw it in the show notes, and I was like, huh, what? And you yeah. explained it to me. I was like, okay, yes, we have to talk about it. So in the show notes, I put USA or sorry, uh, USA Today has a Stephen Glass moment for those who don't know. And I wouldn't have known this if I didn't watch the movie Shattered Glass. Uh, Stephen Glass. And I keep wanting to say Philip Glass is a completely different person, (laughs) (laughs) very different person. Uh, Stephen Glass um, was a young reporter for uh, the, the New Republic and wrote a bunch of entirely fabricated stories and got away with it for quite some time and then was finally caught um, when there was another publication that kind of pressed on the story that he'd written and was like, we didn't hear about any of this where, you know, who are your sources? And um, there's a great movie called Shattered Glass that people should watch about this, but it's a a true story based on true story. Um, And USA Today has now had to remove 23 stories um, from this reporter who I, you almost like I, on a human level feel bad. This young reporter um, who fabricated sources, um, who fabricated details. And of course, because the media like to eat their own, everyone is having a field day with this. Right. CNN is, New York Post is, New York Times is, Washington Post is. Um, so yes, USA Today. This is by Oliver Darcy, who's also been doing some uh, some shoe leather journalism with regard to the whole like <laughs> Wapo Taylor Lorenz Felicia Sanmez thing on Twitter. Um, he's he, he's kind of like CNN's media watchdog or one of them. Right. Um, but Oliver Darcy has the story. USA Today removes twenty three stories after probe finds reporter apparently fabricated quotes. It's a little bit more serious than that. It seems like. Um, So there was an audit that revealed, this is a quote um, from an editor's note written by USA Today's managing editor of Standards. The audit revealed that some individuals quoted were not affiliated with the organizations claimed and appeared to be fabricated. Mm. Uh, The existence of other individuals quoted, the existence of other individuals quoted could not be independently verified. Mm. Um, There's also some... Uh, 
it, apparently part of the internal audit uh, involved them trying to figure out whether this was intentional or like whether whether the reporter tried to then cover their tracks. Right. Uh, and some people are saying that they did, which is kind of even worse. And this just, I think when we start hearing people argue for more, for, for you know, searches and search engines and social media to promote and algorithmize, which is not a word, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> we're going with it. Yeah reliable established media sources and this is a not uncommon phenomenon especially within the last several weeks uh, within media where you just have improper journalistic ethics improper vetting of stories and no accountability whatsoever i mean to Mm -hmm. it's hard to get away with something like this It, it should be it should be hard because typically when you have a story you have a fact checker at the paper that is, you know, that is going through every single one of your claims yep. and saying, okay, where did you get this? Let me see this source. And, you know, previously, again, this is, this is another Stephen Glass uh, uh, transition. Previously it was, you know, you rely on the journalist's own notes and that's mm-hmm. it. But today you have video, you have audio. Um, it, it's, it's very, very jarring that this was allowed to continue this long. And again, if we're talking about how companies need to be promoting journalism from reliable sources, then my next question is, like whom? Right. Because these scandals have just been flowing. And, you know, with the right. LA Times reporting that Jason Momoa testified in the Johnny Depp trial, this is, this is rampant. Um, so, again, it bears repeating that. There's a greater shift toward journalistic ethics within a more decentralized media ecosystem, which is exciting. But again, we need to realize this. This is an option. Exactly. And I I think it's funny that you have um, the media really eating its own, trying to act like they're not the ones who who are uh, who who do the same exact thing. Like Mm -hmm. this is. Let's not act like the USA Today is the first um, media outlet that 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 this has happened to. I mean, as you allude to, in the past four weeks, like Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, over the past few weeks, this has happened to multiple people on on multiple different platforms. And so, understanding that, knowing that, I, I and I think a lot of people would say USA Today is probably one of the more more trustworthy media outlets when it comes to um putting things out there now granted of course like every single um outlet has some sort of biases or whatnot but they would probably say well usa today is pretty is pretty kind of central or whatnot and 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 this and third and i'm not saying whether or not these articles lean left or lean right or whatever or what they were even about i'm saying that regardless of any of that you need to understand that people always have some ulterior motive when it comes to putting something in your face. It's always that, okay, so this article is what says what, why am I reading this article? What is the point of this? Cause they're always trying to deceive you, whether they are being truthful about the article and how they word it. Um, headlines, clickbaits, all those things are out there. And until we, as a, as a civilization, a society, whatever you want to call us, are skeptical of everything, we're going to fall for anything. 
And it is it, it is one of those things that, that I am happy that all this stuff is being exposed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, 100%. I mean, because as you talked about, that everything is now decent, like like you want this to be more and more decentralized. This is a this is another example of, and this is slightly different, but we have, uh, this. we're starting to see this in, in the sports world. Um, you're starting to have all these these bunch of different sports podcasts coming up, and people are no longer looking to your to your big talking heads, even on ESPN or Fox Sports or whatever. Um, they are literally going towards actual other people. And there's one guy, uh, Golden State Warriors. They just won the NBA Finals, and there's one guy who is literally um, who after every game goes and records a podcast and talks about things that happen in the game, talks about the sport of basketball. And people actually love it and people are flocking to him. He is the number one sports podcast that's out there. Now it could be because of his name and he plays for a team that's really good. And and he he's I mean, he's he's a good player in his own right, whatnot. But but um he does the same thing. JJ Reddick, people have started to love him as a commentator because he's He's uh, he's he's on these different shows, but he's very decentralized. He has his own podcast. He talks about this and that and this and that and third. And people are doing that. And so the same thing that is happening for our um, trad and our, our trad media or whatnot is, is you know, is it's is starting to be broken down in, in, in that system is happening, not just in, in in our traditional news media when it comes to stories as far as cnn and everything it's happening everywhere Mm -hmm. and if you don't recognize it you are definitely going to be behind and you're sitting there watching you're 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 waiting for um here locally you're waiting for khou to tell you what's happening in the world or you're you're waiting till six o'clock to watch cbs news nightly or whatnot and they're they're telling you about all the flooding that's happening up in Yellowstone or whatnot, when you've had people who've been talking about it for I don't know six hours earlier or whatnot, you're 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 going to be lagging in all of this. And of course, people who are listening to this do listen to podcasts. So um, it's this is I mean I would probably preach it to the choir on this one, but understanding that if you have friends or family who are who are not um adhering to this or, or understanding that hey we are now becoming decentralized it's probably a good idea to let them know all right hey uh just letting you know everything that you listen to is not necessarily trustworthy and of course typically they are older generations and they don't want to uh, they want to update with technology and that's fine you know how to reach them better than i do um at least your family th- th- than i do but you want to have conversations with them and say hey look this is what's happening. We are becoming more decentralized. You have all these podcasts that you listen to. Podcasts are now more accessible than ever. The news is now more accessible than ever. Than, than ever. Most of the time, things are on Twitter before they're anywhere else. Yeah. Like, I mean, so people get their news from all kinds of places. So it it is definitely something. Um, it's a good thing to see that, hey, people are losing their trust in traditional media. They're going to different um, outlets. And I absolutely love it. Now, the big wigs. Of of the corporations, they absolutely hate it. They hate it. They're like, I can't believe that they have bigger followings than we do, and they get better ratings than. I mean, Joe Rogan has better gets gets more views than a lot of people who are on television, CNN, Fox News, all of them. Joe Rogan is still getting his huge, huge, huge numbers or whatnot. So, um, it's a big deal. I love decentralization. It is uh every time I hear those words, it is music to my ears. Yeah. I absolutely love it. 
And that's, it's interesting, right? So I have, I have a lot of thoughts about this. First of all, people complain about, uh, people in traditional media complain about this, this death of expertise. Like, oh, well, mm-hmm. people are going to these YouTubers and these TikTokers and they're not going to listen to the experts. And, bro, you ha- so one, on the one hand, you have an expert legal analyst versus an actual lawyer who is commenting right. and breaking down a case. You, you have an actual player who's breaking down games. So this is a renaissance of expertise. It's just not the expertise that you thought that you could own and get your hands on. I don't want my expertise to be owned by anyone. I, 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 want, <laughs> I want self-owning experts. And you know your, your point about Joe Rogan, one thing that is so, I think, interesting for people, and I'm not a huge Rogan fan. I'll occasionally right. listen to an episode... Um, I actually probably wouldn't call myself a Rogan fan, but I, I understand his appeal and his podcasts are so, so, so long. And so many people, especially if they're used to a traditional media ecosystem, don't understand how is this this three hour podcast? How is, how can you have a five hour stream? You know, mm-hmm. and the thing is, these are hosts that first of all, either are expert in something themselves or have an expert on to mm-hmm. speak to the, the audience and who treat their audience as though they're intelligent and mm-hmm. take them along for a discussion, an in-the-weeds yeah. discussion. People want to feel like they that other people think they're smart. Right. And if you watch most traditional media programming, you're not made to feel like you're smart. You're made to feel like, oh, you just want sound bites, you want quick hits, you want, you know, you, you want emotionality, you want passion. And I think that was true when we didn't have as many alternatives for how we got information. Mm-hmm. And it was true when we didn't have the ability to consume media and information literally everywhere, no matter what we were doing. Right. So we needed to take out time to sit down and watch a report. So of course we wanted it quick and we wanted the top lines, but now we can be you know, running errands, working out, whatever, and we can have something on in the background. And so we actually don't have a limited time i was going to use time preference very incorrectly but we we don't (laughs) we don't have uh like limitations on how much time we can devote to consuming information right and so therefore people want to be given information that makes them feel like they can actually understand something and become like a little mini expert in something right right I absolutely love it, and and I, I I love the way that it's going. I I love how media is 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 changing, um, and it's more accessible to people, uh, which is what I think the best thing about it is 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 it is it is more accessible now. I don't have to wait until five p.m. six p.m. to look at my nightly news to figure out what's going on. I don't wait for a specific show to go breaking. Like it pops up on my phone. Um, People who record podcasts every single day are talking about different things or whatnot. So, I mean, it it, it is a great thing. It is 100% a great thing. And the more decentralized things can be, the better off I think we are as a society. Because now you as an individual get to pick and choose what, how you want to consume said media and how that works. Unless it's CNN Plus because they are utterly horrible and trash. And they don't exist they, anymore no longer exists. Um, even I think uh, Brian Stelter got booted. Um, oh dear. I think, I don't know. I, um, I will have to, I, I, I saw something 
about something about Brian Stelter no longer being something. So I didn't go into it, but I was like, oh man, I need to look into that because that would be gold too. Um, because he's he's my he's like my age, and dude has no hair. Like, like I, yeah, I, I he's, was... he's yeah. I, I'm I'm generally surprised by his age whenever yeah. I am reminded of it. Yes, she said, trying to maintain tact. <laughs> I could have. Every time I see him, I was like, this dude's got to be well into his 40s. It's like, no, the dude's in his 30s. I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, oh, this dude's around my age. It's crazy. So, um, but thank you all so much, so much uh, for sticking with us for this last 56 minutes or this hour or so of the podcast. We definitely, definitely, definitely appreciate you. Um, Please, please, please like and share this show. Like us on the YouTubes. Um, follow us on Spotify, leave a five-star rating and review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. We only grow because of what you do, and we are grateful for every single bit of that. Um, follow us on all forms of social media. We're out there. Again, we're on YouTube, so you can follow, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Civil Discord Podcast. Um, follow us on Twitter at Civil Discord Pod. Um, follow us on Instagram at Civil Discord Podcast. Follow Amanda at Ajax the Griff on Twitter. Um, she is doing so much, so much of the Lord's work <laughs> over there in that cesspool of Twitter. Sometimes um, I wake up and choose violence and say that <laughs> Naperville is not anyway. It's, it takes too long to explain. It is anyway. all good. And then follow me on Instagram at Call Me Maurice as well. Do all of that. Share the show with a friend, a family member, somebody who is old and needs to know that there are more ways to consume media than just staring at the TV for an hour of the day. Um, Share it with all your friends and family and relatives. Do all of that, and we will be back again with another episode. Happy Juneteenth, and until next time, y'all be easy. And stay fierce.